This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. So here we are in the 99 cent store in West Oakland. Mm-hmm. Go into any dollar store in the United States and you'll find the same kind of stuff. They've already got the Christmas stuff out and like... Santa stuff everywhere. Little Santa booties that you can put on your baby. A little Santa costume that you can put on a wine bottle. <laughs> in U.S. dollar stores, there are grocery items and cleaning products, and some of them are name brand items. But then there's this other category of things for sale. Little bags of plastic festive gourds, a slotted spoon. It's just, yeah, everything's like, this doesn't have a brand name. Like, where is it from? Toys and jewelry and knickknacks that seem to have a sort of generic cheapness to them. Loofahs. Very generic looking razors. Little fake plants. Do I want this chocolate toothpaste? I don't think so, but... Dollar stores aren't just a U.S. phenomenon. They're in Australia and the U.K. They're in the Middle East and in Mexico. They're all over the world. And a lot of that stuff, that generic cheap stuff that lines the shelves of these stores, comes from one place. A market in China called the Futian Market. The, the Futian Market, uh, where all this stuff comes from, it goes on for miles, for miles and miles of just these tiny little stores. That's documentary filmmaker Daniel Whelan. The Futian Market is about 43 million square feet, or around 10 times the size of the Mall of America. You could enter the market and walk around it for days and never see the same store twice. Daniel and his co-producer, Tobias Anderson Ockerblum, made a documentary film called Bulkland about the Futian Market and the city in China where it's located. Iwu. There's about 2 million people here completely dedicated to making this stuff for us, but no one's ever heard of it. The city of Iwu is about 200 miles southwest of Shanghai. It's a market city, so, so it's quite vibrant in parts, but it's not an incredibly livable city, an incredibly lovely green city. It turned from a sort of bucolic mountain town to what kind of seems a cookie-cutter industrial city now. In the late 1970s, communist China began to open itself up to capitalism. It would no longer be illegal to run private businesses in China. The province of Zhejiang, where Iwu is located, had a history of being a center for trade, and the people there were eager to join the new economy. The villagers spent all their sort of life savings on cheap industrial equipment and started producing items that were really easy to make. Playing cards or Christmas decorations or, or wooden toys. And soon, a market opened up in the city of Iwu to sell these items. The market was just a street market. People started making like Christmas decorations and arts and crafts. More and more people started to come to this market, and that's how it's grown up. This is Nigel Kropp. He's a British trader who lives and works in Iwu, and he originally came to this city just to have an adventure and teach English. So I started teaching at this English training center, and I was, I was teaching uh, adults, and they were factory bosses and trading company bosses. So little did they know I was teaching them English, but at the same time, they were teaching me how to do uh, the business here, how it all worked. I used to do uh, day trips to the Futian market and they used to show me around. The street markets grew and grew and eventually came to encompass four huge buildings connected by sky bridges and roads and parking lots. And each of the buildings is divided into different products. You'll have the jewellery building, 
the toy building, the arts and crafts building, and the clothing building. Every day, thousands of foreign traders visit this massive market in Iwu. They're haggling in Chinese, looking for things to buy in bulk that they can sell to dollar stores and other vendors in their home countries. Once you get inside, it's a lot different to a, to a normal shopping center or shopping mall. It's thousands and thousands of market stalls. These market stalls are about five by five feet. So usually run by one person or two people and they're sitting in there surrounded by their products. And none of the products are for sale. You can't go in there and say, I want one key ring. You have to go in and say, I want 1,500 key rings. That's exactly the kind of volume Nigel, the British trader who lives in Iwu, is looking for when he heads to the market. And we need to find generic animals. Okay, like ocean animals is okay. Uh, also gecko, um, lizard. We go to the market and the supplier will give us a price. And then we do the ordering. The goods are delivered to my warehouse. The niche I have is that I'm a Westerner. I speak English, obviously, and I have the, uh, the Western eye. Uh, I know what products uh, are not going to sell. I know, I know the quality expected. It's quite an important uh, thing, I think. At the Futian market, my business is mostly bulk sales of electronic Santa gifts. This is Wang Xiaoyang. She has a stall in the Futian market filled with hundreds and hundreds of plastic Santas. We started this business in 1992. That's when my dad started it. Seven days a week, she's in this shop completely surrounded by Santas. Santas surfing, Santas climbing out of chimneys, Santas uh, riding motorcycles with Ray-Bans on. Before we started this business, I had never heard of the concept of Christmas. I had no idea what it was. To me, Santa is a very kind old man who slides through your chimney on Christmas and brings you gifts and happiness and good fortune. Christmas is a holiday for people overseas, but for us Chinese people, we don't get any time off for it. Wang Xiaoyang and Nigel are just two links in the economic chain that starts in China and ends at your local dollar store. The hub of that economy is certainly the Futian market in Iwu, but the whole Zhejiang province is involved. Neighboring towns to Iwu all have their specialties. For Halloween, we export witch brooms, uh, and there's one village that will, will make these brooms. There's a town that just makes wheelbarrows. You go to a town for toys or wooden puzzles or Christmas decorations. Each town has its niche. And most of these little toys and trinkets are being produced in small operations. Maybe a family has been able to buy one piece of industrial equipment and hire a few workers. There's a scene in Daniel's film where some migrant workers are sitting around in someone's garage making cheap costume jewelry by pouring molten metal into a machine that's setting it in a mold. And then they're sort of filing it down and chucking it into a container. And then later that day, a guy will probably come past and grab that, that bucket of jewellery and take it to a different part of the town where someone will put it into packaging. And then the next day, he'll come back and pick all that up and take it to the market. 
And for many people in the province, this isn't even their full-time day job. This is just a side business. Everyone from the age of sort of uh, 22 to sort of 80 or 90, they'll work in the farm and then they'll come back at night and start making witches' brooms. A bit like the cottage industry back in Industrial Revolution in uh, England. That's Nigel Crop again, the British trader who lives in Iwu. Where it took Great Britain 200 years, it's taken China 20, 30 years. And you can see the effects of this super fast growth in Iwu. The city grew so quickly that it still hasn't had time to build basic infrastructure. You see entire neighborhoods with, without roads, with, with no paved roads, because they just need people to immediately move into these buildings and, and start making stuff in the basements. A few years after moving to China, Nigel met his wife, Jessie, an Iwu local. When I started the, the trading company, she had a, a booth in the market selling bags. And, um, and also, she was, she was one of my students. <laughs> Jessie's family is one of many in Iwu to benefit from China's turn toward a free market economy. Yeah, she wants me to go and eat something. Upstairs. I can go upstairs and eat something. Got any cold beer? I've always felt part of the family. They've always accepted me. And they've always made me feel very welcome. I've never felt uh, any different. <laughs> he got it as well. He got it. Nigel's wife's great-grandparents can remember Iwu before it opened itself up to capitalism. We've lived here since we were born. We built our own house. In the old days, it was suffering. It was really terrible. That's Nigel's great-grandmother-in-law, Gong Jinshong. Just mentioning the suffering time, I feel so sad I could cry. Life was so tough that a single sweet potato was divided into pieces for several meals. In the old days, there were no cars. Now, a lot of people can afford luxurious sedans. I am so comforted by the change. Of course, capitalism has also taken its toll on China. I think globalization is ruinous. When it's unchecked, like it is in places like Iwu, you see a, a landscape almost completely destroyed. You know, the, 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 the mountains are all dug out. There's people burning rubbish everywhere that's it's it's smoggy all the time and you're sort of like for what and then you see why it's people who spent years almost completely malnourished now being able to sit around with a giant family and all eat and have a lovely time but now people in china who have been able to move out of desperate poverty want more than to just make a living and those people uh, are demanding a better lifestyle We are at the market every day, every day, every day. It never changes. That's Wong Xiaoyang again. Her business selling Santas has grown substantially since her father first started it in 1992. It's allowed her family to move into the middle class, but it's also swallowing up her existence. She's there seven days a week, from sunup to sundown. Maybe everyone has some regret in their lives. If I got to do it again, I would study harder. (laughs) Then I would not have to rely on the business that my parents ran for my entire life. 
Like a lot of middle-class Chinese people, Wang Xiaoyang wants something more. My dream is to travel all around the world. The first place I want to go is Egypt. This is a place I've wanted to go ever since I was a kid. She doesn't want to just sell Santas seven days a week until she's able to get her daughter to do the same thing and then continue on forever. For now, though, Wang Xiaoyang just has to work harder because costs in China are going up and her profit margin is getting slimmer. Our costs for workers in China is increasing yearly. Every part of production, starting from the smallest fitting part to assembly costs, it's getting more and more expensive. As the cost of labor goes up, people seek out cheaper labor markets. Bangladesh, Vietnam, uh, Laos, they're right there. And they've got the facilities to do it. And they're ready to take that work. And they are starting to take that work away from, from places like Iwu. The Chinese government is also interested in moving the country away from its reputation as the world's factory. They don't want to be um, where all of, our, all of our junk comes from. They want to be the next South Korea or Taiwan or Japan that makes computers and cars and, and um, you know, solar panels and, and, and things like that. But Iwu is the city that cheap junk built, or really only half built. The city grew so fast that basic infrastructure has not caught up to the growth. In the coming years, the people of Iwu will have to find ways to finish building their city, and then new ways to survive as the global economy changes. The world's dollar stores will continue to be full of plastic Santas and cheap trinkets of all kinds, but soon this stuff will be made in the basements and garages and factories of some other city. Ninety Nine Percent Invisible was produced this week by Katie Mingle with Sharif Youssef, Avery Truffleman, Kurt Colstead, Sam Greenspan, Emmett Fitzgerald, Taryn Mazza, Delaney Hall, and me, Roman Mars. The English voiceovers were done by Sean Wen and Claire Schoen. This story was adapted from the film Bulkland by Daniel Whelan and Tobias Anderson Ockerbloom. The full film is about an hour long and includes a bunch of other really interesting characters that we couldn't fit into this radio piece. You really should see it. It's called Bulkland. You can buy a copy of it on Amazon.com. Gentle touch razors. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. There's a Justin Bieber um, <laughs> toothbrush that will Singing play. Singing toothbrush? Uh-huh. What? It plays two songs. We are definitely We're getting, getting I, We might need they, more than one of these. They only come in Justin Bieber. We featured some music this week from our friends OK Akumi from the always fantastic Hell Audio. And right now I'm speaking over a new song from our friend Melodium, who has an album out on November 29th on Audio Dregs Recordings. The album is called Low Gravity. Look for it and buy it and enjoy it. We are a project of 91.7 KALW San Francisco and produced on Radio Row in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. 99% 99% Invisible is supported by Slack. They have a new weekly podcast out now. It's called Work in Progress. It features deep and funny stories about the meaning and identity we find in work. Not only what we do for a living or how we do it, but why. So you're telling me there is a secret radio station by cabbies for cabbies. Yep. It's hosted by Dan Meisner, who I know for a fact is a Canadian broadcaster, so I'm sure he uses every bit of will he has to not say work in progress 
but he's a pro, so he pulls it off. Learn more about work in progress at slack.com slash podcast or at Slack Stories on Twitter. Imagine an oven small enough to fit in your silverware drawer, powerful enough to cook a whole rack of ribs, and smart enough to give you the exact results you want every time. With Juul, the new sous vide tool from Chef Steps, you can make steakhouse-level beef perfectly flaky fish in the juiciest chicken breast you've ever tried. Precision temperature control means you'll never overcook your food. Head to chefsteps.com slash Juul right now and experience the future of cooking today. That's C-H-E-F-S-T-E-P-S dot com slash Juul. J-O-U-L-E. Jewel. Cook smarter. And finally, this show and Radiotopia from PRX exists because of the coin-carrying listeners who donate to us, the Knight Foundation and MailChimp. Over 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their businesses every day. MailChimp helped us grow by giving us a new place to tell stories. This week, auto-mimicry camouflage on fighter jets, like fake cockpits that are painted on the bottom of the plane to confuse enemy fighters. It's very cool. You just have to see pictures, which you can see on the newsletter. To find out how to get a cool newsletter like ours, tell your story, and sell more stuff, go to MailChimp.com. You can find the show and join discussions about the show on Facebook. You can tweet at me at Roman Mars or the show at 99pi.org. We're on Instagram and Tumblr, too. But the nexus of all things 99pi is at 99pi.org. Radiotopia.